Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is Luke 4, 14 through 30. It's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. And he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's boy? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you'll say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, but truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath, and Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, after service, a bunch of us walked through our main building to see the progress on construction and to pray over the space together before we re-enter as a community. We ood and odd over the new floors in the fellowship hall and the blue carpet in the offices. We also shook our heads at the disarray still in the sanctuary 
pews upended, spikes sticking out of the floor, dust everywhere. And I can't speak for everyone on our walk, but I felt both excited and distressed. On one hand, I'm inspired thinking of what will be in our revamped spaces. The vinyl floors in the fellowship hall make me think not only that fellowship dinners are in our future, but also relay races, <laughs> yoga classes, and dare I say it, dance parties. And as someone who encountered a mouse in my office on my first day as senior minister, I am delighted to know that the mice have found another home and that I can have the new carpet all to myself. Thanks be to God. And on the other hand, as we dream about what it will be like to return to the sanctuary with its tech upgrade, thanks to our many technological advancements during the pandemic, with our new worship minister and the collaboration of musicians, with the way our worship has evolved and morphed into what it is today, it felt jarring to peek into the sanctuary and see what felt like rubble. The ground beneath our feet was literally gone contributing to our already disoriented sense of church. I didn't even want to look long because it pained me so much. Our house for God, for God's people, our place of worship and meaning-making, our Christ-centered imagination station. The first line of Lamentations came to mind. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. And I know that part of my vocation as a pastor is to peddle hope like it's going out of business. But it's important to say also that a moment of despair and lament is sacred too. Hope and despair are friends that walk a fine line together each day. And I bet I'm not the only one who vacillates between the two. I'm so tired of preaching in a pandemic that is holding on for dear life, preaching about the way the pandemic has affected our life and faith, and please don't nod your head in agreement, but I assume you're tired of hearing about it too. <laughs> I mean, can you even remember when that word was not part of our everyday vocabulary? I miss the before times. We were so innocent and naive, so cute and precious. I could just boop our noses. And I want the after times to come so quickly. Tomorrow, today, right this very moment. I just want to skip over what is right now to what will be. But we're stuck in the now times, aren't we? The new floors juxtaposed with the sanctuary in shambles. The new carpet side by side with the spikes sticking out of the floor. Feels about right for a moment, I suppose, though I don't like it at all. Just going on record, God, if I haven't said it today, I do not like this. During our worship series over the next few weeks, we will be reading a lot of stories of return. Last week, we read a familiar parable. 
This week we read a proclamatory text. It's a story that is meant to proclaim something about Jesus. We'll read stories from the early church, from ancient Israel. We'll read some building instructions and some poetry. And there is a long, long list of scriptures of return that we had to whittle down because the longing for home is such a universal story. It's embedded within us and within the divine story. And we see that in today's text. Jesus, human and divine, returning home to Nazareth to find that home is very different than what he remembered. Jesus had earned for himself quite the reputation for healing and preaching. And he decides to go home to mom and dad and visit the synagogue while he's there. And the book of Luke takes great pains to show that all of what Jesus does is in the bosom of Judaism. By his faithfulness to his religious tradition, he observes the Sabbath and the scriptures. Jesus not only attends synagogue services regularly, but he also participates in them, as all adult males were permitted to do, by reading scripture and commenting on it like he does in today's story. And we cannot overstate how much the synagogue was home for Jesus. It's not just an assembly for worship. It was a school, a community center, a place for administering justice. Jesus had spent a lot of time here growing up. And everyone was so proud. They had heard of his great work. It was the talk of the town. And so when he gets up to read the scroll and give commentary on it, I imagine some of the men there were remembering when Jesus was a little boy, playing in the street with their sons. Perhaps some of them were making knowing eyes at Jesus' family members. Looks that said, how much he's grown. You must be so proud. How happy you look to have him home. And then Jesus reads the scroll from Isaiah, preach the good news, free the captives, give sight to the blind, proclaim the Lord's favor. And he concludes, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today. And all seems to be going well. Right? One of the men says, isn't that Joseph's boy? The one with the iffy birth story? (laughs) Who would have thought he would grow up to become a healer? a preacher, a star. We're lucky to call him ours. But then the tide turns abruptly, and Jesus seems to be picking up midway through a conversation. And he says, basically, the expectation that he was going to come and do all those miracles and preach all those sermons to his hometown, to his people, was misdirected. And he tells some stories that may not be familiar to you, but based on the emotional switch of the people, they probably knew well. He tells this two stories of, or he tells the story of two prophets of Israel, early, early prophets, whose miracles were not for the Israelites, but for outsiders, a widow in Zarephath and a Syrian man. And what Jesus seems to be getting at with these particular stories is that he is not, in fact, theirs. He does not belong to them. He's not to be claimed or contained. These stories Jesus tells communicates the long history of God's prioritizing the outsider, the stranger. Elijah was sent to care for the widow in Zarephath 
not the widows in Israel. Elisha was instructed to heal Naaman the Syrian, not the lepers of Israel. So that we are to understand that God has always been working at the margins, crossing borders, doing new things in unlikely places, far from home, far from the familiar and predictable, far from the centers of power and religion. And these faithful religious men did not like that one bit. And I want to pause for a second to say that in texts like these that happen in Jewish religious spaces or are about a particular Jewish law or story, there is sometimes a temptation to then make the Jewish people the bad guys. That Jewish people got it wrong and Jesus the Christian got it right. But we know that Jesus was a devout Jewish man. Everything he does is in the bosom of Judaism. The early Christian movement was a sect of Judaism. So this is not and has never been a battle between the Christians and the Jews. And what is relevant to us as 21st century Christians looking back at this story that needs a lot of context and filling in the gaps is that this argument happening in the story is between Judaism and its scriptures. It's a matter of interpretation. And it's not a simple intellectual disagreement either. But rather, there are real lives on the line for Jesus. And also, there are lives on the line for this Jewish synagogue living under Roman occupation. And while we don't want to automatically assume that our own church squabbles and denominational differences can draw a direct line to inner Jewish squabbles and differences, We can, however, perhaps see ourselves a little bit in these conflicts. There's enough similarity for us to see where the anger is coming from for Jesus and for the men in the synagogue. There's enough similarity for us to see a bit of ourselves as the big C church, as our own small faith community, and even as individual Christians. So, Jesus tells these familiar God-loves-the-outsider stories, and things escalate quickly. They attempt to kill him, but he slips through their midst and lives to see another day. He eludes their grasp of ownership, and he eludes their grasp of violence. And Jesus is still eluding our grasp today. Something we talked about on our prayer walk last week was how many different iterations of these buildings the church has worshipped in. How the chapel we're in now has not always been in this location. How the fellowship hall and offices we walked through last week used to be in a different building. How it seems like every inch of our property has been used for worship, not just this year, but in its long, long history. How even when the church started There was not even a building, one of my favorite stories. There was a brush arbor that Azel Christian Church gathered under to find relief from the elements for a little while so they could worship. And it seems that Azel has always been on the move, moving from building to building, changing its spaces and ways of life. 
so that this past year of movement and upheaval when we exercised our mobility muscles and we worked on our flexibility is not a new thing. It's actually a very old thing. This practice of change and adaptability is inherent in the DNA of this community. I mean, what is happening now may have never happened before to this particular group of people, but it has happened to Azel Christian Church before. Dynamic movement is written in the blueprint of this community so that we're not learning how to be flexible, but rather we're remembering how to be. The collective consciousness of this community, what we like to call the cloud of witnesses, is reminding us that we know how to do this as a church. And what we might see for ourselves in this story from Luke is that yes, we gather on this property to worship together, but we can trust that God's own self is not contained here. God is on the move with each of us as we go our own way. Christ's living spirit dwells within each of our own hearts and is always saying, today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today is where you are. Today is where God is. See this new thing God is doing because today is the day of the Lord. And God cannot be grasped by us trying to hold on to what we remember yesterday. And God cannot be propelled into the future of someday. But God is moving today. And as God continues to move, may we remember that we cannot hold on to Jesus. He eludes our grasp. He is speaking in places we don't recognize as sacred. He is privileging voices we may not be interested in hearing. And he is saying things that will make our ears burn. Because God is not ours, but rather we are God's. And may we go with Christ into uncomfortable territory, into strange places, into the unknown. And may we remember that we have done so before. God is always doing a new thing. And that new thing is often a new iteration of an old thing. The prophets Elijah and Elisha were a very, very long time ago. And then Jesus came much, much later, a very, very long time ago. And even now, much, much later, God is still moving in and through us. May we remember the movements of our faith forebears, of the author and perfecter of our faith, of the faithful people who have moved through this church over the past 138 years. And may we be attentive to God's movement today. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, 
and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.